0: You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 63 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on a Thursday this week. i a bit late, but yeah, so what? And 68. it's March... Did I say 68? You said 63. Yeah, we're I said at 63.
0: 63. Yeah, we're at 68. We are? Holy crap, dude. Seriously. <laughs> I'm the one that's medicated right now. <laughs>
1: and I remembered that. Thanks for pointing that out to me since, you know, the the show notes are titled episode 63. God. It's good to know that you've got my back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. At least with this much, yeah. So whatever episode it is you're listening to, oh, welcome. <laughs> All right, this week we're talking about a comic that is actually kind of special to me and i not, not going to get into too much about that right now. It's called I Kill Giants. It came out in 2008, uh, written by Joe Kelly, with art by J.M. Ken Nomura. And it's a young adult comic. And we've said this many times before, how you can have a comic or a book or anything, really, that is suitable for a younger audience, even intended for a younger audience, but still appeals to everyone. And I know that's something you're you're very passionate about, Raj.
0: I don't think that this is a young adult novel, or comic, to be honest. I don't think that you can classify it as such when you look at the importance of the story in how amazingly well-written it is, and the characterization and everything, I don't think that it's fair to limit it in scope at all, at all, at all. I I think it was, um, see, you're always saying you don't agree with me. Well, here you go. (laughs) This makes up for all (laughs) these other ones. Um, It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And I I know that there are some young adults who would be able to appreciate the scope of it, um, though I know that. As they have more experience in their lives, they will be able to read more between the lines that's there. So again, I, I don't know if it was initially r- like marketed as young adult, but I certainly wouldn't put it in that category. Uh, neither
1: would I, but again, it's and that's just not the saying things are these days,
0: yeah. And that's not saying anything wrong about young adult writing either. Hell, I write young adult, so um, and I've great amount of respect for anybody who does, so it's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. It's just I don't, I don't find that this classifies as that at all. In fact, some of it is point blank intended more for an adult audience than a young adult audience.
1: But it, it's, it, it still appeals to both audiences. Oh, yeah, definitely, like, th- definitely. This is something I would not have any trouble giving to a a young teenager, even maybe you know, younger than that. So the comic itself, uh, first of all, it has a very unique art style, at least amongst what we're used to talking about here. It has a very uh, manga style to it, all black and white, uh, very expressive characters. So if you're into that whole style, Nomura just pulled it off flawlessly in this comic.
0: Oh, God, yeah.
1: And if you like bunny ears, apparently. If you like bunny <laughs> yeah. ears, you will love this. Yeah, all the character designs are just unique, and it it, it works, especially in a black-and-white comic. It, we've seen so many comics that where... You, what was it? I was just reading something the other day. I didn't even know that was supposed to be Peter Parker in the artwork. Right. <laughs> but it, it, you pick out every character immediately, even though there's no hair colors or outfits to distinguish them. Just, well, one of them has bunny ears. OK, that's a pretty big one. <laughs> but it, every character just has their own style, their own look, their own personality from the artwork alone.
0: It also gives him a lot more freedom to be far more expressive, which is what you need. For a story like this When you're looking at the main character And the, the the emotional turmoil That she's going through And how frantic she is at times And things like that And just point blank losing her shit um, I think that it's important to have a style that conveys that appropriately, and a normal style, we'll say, I mean, quote-unquote normal style, wouldn't allow you to go off the deep end as much as this
1: does, and it works. It works so very well. Mm -hmm. So the story itself uh, focuses around this teenage girl named Barbara Thorson, and Barbara is a very special girl in the fact that she is a giant killer and she throughout the entire comic she keeps giving all these grandiose stories and all these facts about the giants and you know ways you could trap them the history behind them the different kinds of giants and there were so many points throughout reading this comic where i didn't know where they were going if it was actually going to be a fantasy with actual giants, or if it was more her fantasy that's being, you know, portrayed upon the world. And I think they straddled that line very well all the way up until the end.
0: And I think that once again, the art style helped reinforce that so that at any point, you're not so deeply rooted in reality that you wouldn't expect that it actually is this fantasy world. And I think that that was needed so that you are throughout all of these issues, guessing yeah, what's really happening here, and right to the 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 climax at the end where you're it it's such a rewarding experience. But again, it the two work so
1: well together for just that. Mm-hmm. So Barbara herself, she's very withdrawn. Uh, she's your typical. Stereotypical nerd type girl loves Dungeons and Dragons. Although I, I've never seen anybody that aggressive with their <laughs> tabletop gaming. Uh, just she has no friends in school. She's she's even kind of an outcast amongst members of her own family, and this is where. Her, her giant fantasy comes into play. This is how she lives out her life. This is what she feels is important to her, the, her, the thing she's passionate about, to the point where she's making her own, you know, giant-killing weapons. And it, the, the, the level of emotion and caring that she puts into her fantasy of the giants really fills that void in her that so many people feel, honestly.
0: Well, it's not just that, but it's the amount of detail that she affords it as well. It's not just a passing fancy or a just a, a minor fantasy. It is, it is all-encompassing for her. And so, again, it, it could have been written in such a way that... That is said, but not demonstrated, but instead it is demonstrated throughout and you are shown time and time again, the level of detail and immersion that she has with this fantasy life and this alter ego for herself. And so once again, you're, you're you're sucked in so much and it's not on a superficial level because there's so much given to you to absorb and there's so many facts that she gives you and so many different other things that it, it it the level of immersion that you get is affords you that much more of an emotional bond with her as well so that as you progress through the story and you find out what actually is happening you are emotionally attached to this child, you do feel for her immensely. So it hits you that much harder.
1: Mm -hmm. And throughout the story, there are several uh, supporting characters that really add to just everything going on. You have her older sister, who is essentially, you know, the head of the household, but doesn't know how to deal with Barb and, you know, the trouble she keeps getting herself into. Uh, There's Sophia, a new girl who wants to become friends with Barbara and goes along with all the the giant killing stuff. There's Taylor, the school bully, who, well, is a one of the nastiest bullies I've seen in a while. And then I also have the guidance counselor who is really trying to help Barbara out. And I love how they laid the breadcrumbs throughout the story of how there is something really bad in Barbara's life that she is pretty much blacking out and ignoring. And that's one of the reasons why she puts so much detail into the, you know, the giant stuff was, if she fills her entire life with this, then she can forget about the other stuff it, with the way that between the guidance counselor and the sister and everything, it it was just fantastic.
0: Yeah, it was like you're saying that breadcrumb, it's you, you're finding out about her throughout the issues and it's it starts off with still a bit of mystery when she is just talking to the guidance counselor and then you find out, then you have the scene at home and you find out a little bit more and you find out that it's the sister that's taking care of them, which leads you to wonder, okay, what happened? And then there's the slip, the one slip about the father not being there for them. And then mm-hmm. there's there's a few such slips. And then it progresses from there. So you have this really nice story arc wherein the mystery is presented to you slowly, not all in one chunk, and revealed as you are caring more and more about her, then you are getting more information about why she is the way she is. And by that point... Not only do you care about her, but you can understand, you can relate to this madness, and you can sympathize with the character to a great degree. Mm
1: -hmm. And the story just begins to pick up pace. Uh, Taylor is constantly picking on Barb. And Barb, she's the type of person who will stand up for herself to a point, but she she also holds herself back because (laughs) just the way she is— she she has absolutely no problem being loud and assertive but yeah she also doesn't want to physically involve herself that much until things reach that breaking point where taylor invades her sanctuary and starts messing with all of her giant traps and everything and then barb just flat out loses it it's, it's like the scene from a christmas story where ralphie starts beating the crap out of the, the bully kid there and you get this big epic scene where she finally pulls out her war hammer it's this tiny little thing she made herself and and she even she is so I don't want to say deluded, but she's so invested in her own fantasy at this point that she can't realize exactly what's going on. And it just leads to this really depressing era, not era, but point in the comic where I was really worried about Barb for a while there. <laughs> I don't think that I would say depressing. I It was certainly
0: emotionally moving mm-hmm. and and whatnot, but I don't think it was depressing because even at the point where she's losing it, um, it's, there's still an uplifting forward movement that even the giant is trying to help her kind of thing so that she can Mm -hmm. understand what is happening. And, and in a manner of speaking, come back to some form of reality and, and, Tackle the real demons. I don't know how much we want to spoil here, so I'm trying to be very careful with. Yeah, I words. know. I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of struggling with it myself. Yeah, try struggling with it when you're <laughs> up on meds. <laughs> uh, so, but no, it's it's done in such a way that it's again, it's very smooth the progression, and it's. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was misty eyed mm-hmm. at certain points. Um, again, the lack of sleep for <laughs> quite a few days here at Medicaid, <laughs> that might have something to do with it. But no, I was that invested that I'm like, holy crap, this is just phenomenal. But I didn't find it depressing, especially once she breaks through. Oh, yeah. At that point, it's like, it's it's it could have gone the way of an after school special, and been corny as all hell and there's moments where it's it borders on that but it doesn't delve into it it's still it's still off the wall it's still a little dangerous but it's better than what it was
1: Mm -hmm. it all culminates with this giant climactic fight scene where she finally you know regains her 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 spirit and summons her war hammer and fights a giant titan in the middle of the oat it's and that's a hammer okay to
0: freaking (laughs) thor pansy
1: pants there could learn something that's a hammer and just the the metaphors of everything the giant represents to barb again we we're purposefully being a bit obtuse here uh i really recommend reading this yourself but once Barb conquers the giants and conquers her own fears and reservations. It's a very, very touching story.
0: Yeah, it's again, I I could talk about it a lot more in, in far greater detail if we didn't want to spoil this. And and we can do that if you want. But if we want to kind of leave it open, because I think that a story like this, um, very much like Joe versus the, Bar- or Joe the Barbarian, I think it's important to actually go into it not knowing everything. I mean, there's a great deal of foreshadowing, of course, you're going to figure it out at some point. But I think that in figuring it out yourself, you're better able to invest of yourself in the story and then better appreciate
1: it. Mm -hmm. I I had initially read this a couple years ago because I love Joe Kelly as a writer. I'll read anything he writes in the comics. And I I read it. I enjoyed it. I was like, man, that was really good. Put it away. Forgot about it for a while. And then uh, when I was trying to plan the next couple episodes a while back and I knew I wanted to get away from, you know, the the modern stuff going on right now, a couple friends on Twitter were talking about this exact comic. And I was like, boom, that's what we're talking about after the Spider-Man stuff. That's next on the list. And when I reread it a couple weeks ago, with changes that have happened to me in the intervening years this became such so more personal to me in in just that brief amount of time it this comic will affect certain people more than it will others if you can put yourself into barb situations so i for me this is this has become a deeply deeply personal story
0: it's again it For anybody who has experienced any kind of loss in their life or who has been around or experienced any kind of mental disorder of any kind where in again i don't want to say too much it's it's mm-hmm. you'll better you'll be better able to appreciate this it's it's just such a phenomenal story and the thing is though is that when you break it down to its bare bones storyline plot outlines and and think about what it is it's nothing fancy But it doesn't have to be. And it's what the writer did with it from that point that made it what it was. And, I mean, we're talking a full seven issues here that were packed. Eight, technically, because the seventh was double-sized. Okay, yeah. So it it um, it, wasn't—there's no fluff. At no point are you reading a scene thinking, "Uh, I could have done without this. This was just filler because he needs to fill out x amount of issues no it was full beginning to end so it's this phenomenal story that lasts quite a while for a mini story a mini uh a mini arc story kind of thing um and and it's it's just jam-packed with all this fantastic writing so again it's the story in and of itself if you're reading the outline you may think ah this is
1: not a big deal i'm not going to enjoy it and ha ah, you gotta you gotta dive into this one mm-hmm. just i i really can't say too much more about it because yeah probably uh it has gone to from something that i felt was really good to possibly amongst my favorite comics ever and upon rereading it recently oh definitely
0: i i would rank this sucker very high on on my list of personal favorites and right near the top of recommended series that i would tell people listen these are ones that you definitely have to read this is now one of those i i think that It should be mandatory reading. And I think that it should be mandatory reading for anybody who's going into writing comic books as well. So that they can appreciate the depth that they can put into comic books. That it doesn't always have to be the same kind of stuff. That it doesn't have to be fluff. That it can be hard-hitting, serious, incredible emotional depths, all of that. I think that more people need to be able to appreciate what you can do with this genre.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So moving away from that now, uh, we're going to get to some more upbeat things, perhaps, with our what we're reading. And I really just had one this week, and that was Amazing Spider-Man 680. It came out last week. Uh, a few years ago, Dan Slott wrote a great little comic teaming Spider-Man up with Johnny Storm. And it, it was just your, your your perfect slot comic. From what you've been reading in Amazing Spider-Man, it's that same feeling. So now that Johnny is back from the Negative Zone after Fantastic Four 600, this is their first team up since then. And it's it kills on absolutely every level slot just had and uh christopher yost also uh, helped him write this so they, they co-wrote it they just nailed it i i 681 came out yesterday i haven't had a chance to read it yet but i can't wait to 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 get more of an experience with these two characters together because it's non-stop fun
0: i haven't i haven't read it yet but oh.
1: i i can't wait to read it yes it, it's it's just, it's this big grand like Typical comic book adventure, you know, oh, we have to go into space and save the day, blah, blah, blah. The interaction between the two. But it's also written where you see the change that Johnny has gone through in the past year of his life, how he can become more serious now when he when he really needs to. But the rest of it is just wisecracking jokes back and forth.
0: Hmm. Cool. Looking forward to it.
1: I also really have to give it to Slott with the way he's been structuring Amazing Spider-Man. For pretty much any comic, you get your stories in big six-issue chunks, maybe four, maybe seven, you know, they'll mix it up every now and then. But Amazing Spider-Man is probably the only comic I'm reading right now where you can pick up one or two issues and get an entire story. Yeah, sure, we just had Spider-Island and we have the whole end of the world thing coming up later, but I love how he's peppering all these smaller self-contained stories in between because that's something you don't see in comics anymore these days. Yeah. All right. Anything you got for us this week? Not a damn thing. <laughs> Have you been capable of reading this no, week? <laughs> no, No. For people who
0: aren't aware, I had knee surgery last week on, on Friday. So, and uh, didn't go exactly fantastic. <laughs> and uh, just has been on my pain meds pretty much steady steady and little, no sleep so my time my free time to get my mind off this has been spent in star wars <laughs> the old republic <laughs> and uh and now in mass effect 3 so which at i at least uh... i finally started it today i finally thought okay i'm, I'm clear enough headed that i can finally start this because i didn't start it before because i again i wanted to enjoy <laughs> it you're not gonna you know crack open a fine bottle of wine when you got a toothache kind of thing so you want to be in the right mindset
1: did you at least catch the uh, last episode of Walking Dead? You know what? I still haven't watched that. Actually, I'm two episodes behind. Well, you could skip the first one, but I I, I honestly have no idea what to say about this show anymore. I'm hearing nothing but bad. <laughs> so that's why we're in no rush. Yeah. All right, so we're going to wrap up this week with our new releases as usual. From Marvel, we have one we've been really been anticipating Age of Apocalypse number one, uh, based off uh, what we saw in, what was it, 19.1, the Uncanny X Force, I think it was. Yep. We talked about it several episodes back. Really looking forward to see what they're doing with that setting. Uh, as I mentioned before, also Amazing Spider Man 681, Avengers Academy number 27, Defenders number four, Fear Itself the Fearless number 10, Hulk number 49. Ultimate Spider-Man number eight, Uncanny X-Men number eight, Venom number 14, which is the finale of Circle of Four, which we'll be discussing next week, and Winter Soldier number three. From DC, we have Issue 7 for both Animal Man and Swamp Thing, as well as Issue 6 of the Huntress miniseries, that is the last issue. Um, I read the first few, really enjoyed it, haven't quite caught up with that. As well as the paperback edition of Flashpoint now. And rounding out the list from Boom Studios, we've got Irredeemable number 35, and from Image, Fatal number 3. So thank you for joining us for Issue 68 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. Next week is 69 by the way. Maybe. I, I might mix it up again. You never know. I'm just saying. It's good to keep things fresh. <laughs> keep you on your toes. Yep. So, <laughs> so, As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer and we'll see everybody next week.
0: Seriously had me... In my addle minded brain here, going 63, 63. No, that doesn't sound right. No, no, what the hell? No, Christ. I had to go and check just to make sure. No, we're on
1: 68. What I was You're doing, doing the messing first, was with like, me. I was like, okay, it's the third episode since Roger's last one. Okay, 63. That sounds right. <laughs> God damn. Ultimate Spider Man number eight. Whoa. Uh, what? Who? Hold on. Oh. What the hell is that noise?
0: Is that on anything. your end? I don't hear what. What the hell is going on?
1: What's it sound like? What?
0: <laughs> okay, let me uh, hold on one second here. That's hilarious. I. <laughs> Sorry. I had my uh, splash top open because I'd been installing uh, Mass Effect on the computer upstairs. I'm not going to go upstairs to do it, I can't. So I got (laughs) remotely open here on the Mac, but I hadn't been doing anything. It was just doing an install, so I just left it while we were recording. So then all of a sudden, I'm hearing noise. That's why I was going, what the hell is that noise? Where is that coming from? What the hell? So I toggled over and I look. Well, my son logged into the computer upstairs and he started up Star Wars, coincidentally. (laughs) So he's playing the old Republic. So that's why I was hearing the noise from the game. I'm going, what the hell? So so there's our outtakes for the day. Either that or I'll just leave it in.